Welcome to Uplift, Inspiring Stories to Uplift the World. I am Gemma Serenity Gorokov, your host, and today we have the honor of having Christina Courtwright Jenkins joining us. You will see how amazing a woman she is, and we are going today to talk about her daughter and her husband's health. Listen. Christina, welcome. Thank you. It's so beautiful to be here with you. You, in and of yourself, are so uplifting. I just want you to know that. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Mm, Absolutely. What is the story of miraculous healing of your daughter? Thanks for asking me and I'd love to share. So I am the mother of four children. Um, And in 2004, my youngest and last child was born, a beautiful daughter. And she was one of those kids that was just meant to be in the world. I was not planning on having any more children after my two. My last two were um, definitely... uh, gifts that were given to me, even if I wasn't sure I, I that was what I wanted to, to have. And um, thank goodness, because they have been huge blessings in my life. And exactly two weeks after my daughter's first birthday, she was diagnosed with leukemia. And she'd been sick for, for several months, and I kept taking her in and uh, for different things. And um, when we got that news, Obviously, it was absolutely devastating to find out that your one-year-old has a a disease that could kill her. And so that started the very long process with chemotherapy and and all the things. And keeping in mind, I have three other children who are young. You know, my oldest child at the time was seven years old. So very young family. And uh, my husband had just taken off in his business. So we're at a very pivotal point in our life. And then we have this. And of course, everything in our life shifted around the the daughter that was sick. And um, we did all the things. And she had a very, very bad reaction to a chemotherapy. Very rare. And fortunately had an excellent, excellent doctor who immediately, even though this is very rare, like one in a hundred thousand people who have this chemotherapy get this, he knew what it was. And the good news is then they were able to get her into the ICU, the intensive care unit for children and start her on some medication. The bad news is this is one of those things that they can offer support, but there's no cure. You either make it or you don't make it. And there's no predictability. So what they could offer is repair. And in this disease, basically what her liver does is it takes in all the platelets. So she's bleeding from all over in her body. She's got little um, bruises um, and broken capillaries all over her body because there's no platelets in her body to... um, to repair all the little damages that just just happen because we're living beings. And um, because the liver is taking all of that, then the liver is also not doing its job. So in the course of three days, um, from a ratio perspective, 
Think of a woman who goes from zero to nine months pregnant over nine months. She did that racially in two days. She just blew, her little body just blew up. She was bleeding from all over because she had no platelets. And so they would just keep giving her infusions of different things. And um, I remember just holding my baby in the um, PICU and crying. And, and we'd done all the things, all the energy healers, all the traditional medicine, um, prayers, faith, like literally I'm making deals with God and we're trying all the things to have my daughter survive. And there came a point, and I, I'll, I'll always remember this, just holding her in, in the rocking chair in that room. And there was just, there was nothing left I could do. Like there, we had done everything. There was nothing left that we could do. And I finally just said, okay, it's gonna, it has to be what it's going to be. And I have to believe, if I believe that my child can be healed, I have to believe that I can be healed if my child dies. Because what I, I do believe in a continuation of our soul. And so while I knew that losing her would be devastating, that she would be okay, I worried about my other children. I worried about my ability to continue and still show up as a mother with my other children. And um, so in that moment, I just let it go. I just said, if if I believe that my child can be healed or that she will evolve in her, in her soul, I have to believe that there's that same kind of grace for myself and for my family and that we can also heal from this. And in that moment, it was the first time I, you know, we talk about surrender all the time and surrendering to the universe. That was the first time in my entire life, including having at that point been in the personal development, spiritual world for 15 years. Um, that was the first time I actually did it. I actually released it. And here's where the real miracle happens. Within hours, she was to a point there had been one little procedure that they could do, but it was a very dangerous procedure. Like it would either increase the speed of her death or it would cure her. And we had just not felt comfortable with it. Within hours, we decided that we would do that procedure. And within three days, she was out of the woods. She wasn't well. She still had to continue some chemotherapy, but her life was no longer threatened. She was on the road to healing and she had been healed from this it was a long continuous road we had to continue with the chemotherapy but she is now a thriving 19 year old and has brought so much joy into my life every day i get to interact with her i just feel so blessed that that was the end of that story now i want to also say that there were many people that I bonded with over the months that we would spend in the hospital who had a different outcome. Their children died. So I also acknowledge that for whatever reason, for my soul evolution, for my daughter's soul evolution, that, that was what happened for in our story. And I'm grateful every single day for that. And 
She is too. When she was a teenager, she started a little nonprofit for the hospital here where she was treated, where she gathered with her teenager friends. We're talking 15 year olds. And they went all over and they gathered all sorts of toys and books and other things and took them to the hospital for the children who were suffering. So it was a it was a holiday thing. And so she really acknowledges also that she survived and that she will share this light with the world because she had the gift of surviving. So that's one story. Now I wanna just fast forward um, six years uh, to 2011. My husband had been sick for about a year, at, but not so sick that he couldn't do things, just like not well. And then he was diagnosed with a very, very rare type of cancer. It was a very, it's mesothelioma, and it, it was a very rare type. Mesothelioma often shows up in the lungs. His showed up on his digestive organs. And um, we live in Idaho. And he actually had to have um, most of his treatment in Washington, D.C. Because in 2012, that was the only place that he could really go for that. And he had quite the dark soul of the night there. And it changed our family dynamic as well. So he obviously was like, it was the same thing. It was a 50-50 and there was nothing we could do about, you know, the living or dying. And he had a moment like I'd had with my daughter where he surrendered, where he surrendered to the universe because there was, he'd done everything he could and, and then pushed himself for more. And at the end of the day, there was nothing else that he could do. There was nothing else that we could do. So he gave it up to the universe. And that was a significant emotional event for him in that hospital room in Washington, D.C., where he just said, okay. And I wish I could say that he has gotten better. He is cancer-free, but he is continually ill. He spends about 22 hours a day in bed. Um, but what he does, and I have so much admiration for him, even though he lives his life and has for the last 11 years. So he had that surgery in 2012. So now we're in 2023. So for the last 11 years, he's lived his life with a great deal of pain, but he still gets up and he still finds things to do. He helps me with some of the technical things in my business that I'm not very good at. He made these earrings for me. He will go and, and tootle around and, and make beautiful art. He took up photography and he's very, very good at it. And um, so just these things where he finds joy. And to me, that's such a great example of somebody who doesn't live a life that, um, seems very fun to me, meaning spending so much time in bed, yet he still finds things to bring himself joy and to bring others joy. For the holidays this year, he's made everybody a pepper grinder that he made out of wood. So just these little artistic projects that bring him and other people joy. So when I see my daughter, when I see my husband, who have had very different outcomes, what uplifts me so much about that is one, they are using the gift of life that they have had been given for this lifetime and they are bringing joy to others and they are making the world a better place. They're dedicated to that. 
And then what that did for me personally was it taught me, well, can we just like, I can't even name all the lessons that it's taught me, but surrender, true surrender to the universe. The universe really does have your back. Even if it turns out different, like my husband, he wasn't healed. He was healed of cancer, but there's all these other issues. Um, my daughter is going to be and is a force to be reckoned with in this world and bringing light and is uplifting souls every single day. And for me, it's part of what's made me where I am and who I am is working through this in my own way as the caregiver, as the caregiver. And so those are experiences that have been significant and have uplifted me and the people with whom I share these. And again, my husband and my daughter uplift people every single day just by being who they are. These two stories are absolutely heartwarming. Thank you for sharing. There is one thing that you and your family will gain every time you share these stories an entire nation praying with you for you for the elevation of your family to support and to help and to and to call in all the spiritual healers helpers something for the highest evolution of everybody and indeed it can be through physical life and continuation of life on this lifetime in this iteration or it can also be through the passing that may be all right and may be hard but both depending on what it is are the best outcome possible even though sometimes we really disagree with that <laughs> yes yes sometimes what is best for us is not what we want Exactly. But again, it comes down to that surrender. Exactly. That surrender is where really the peace is found. So that made you discover your caregiver self. I have a question of language for you because we have the same thing in French. Are you a, a caregiver or a caretaker? Because one really seems like you take care and you give care. It's not the same thing. It is the same thing. How do you go about that? That's interesting. I had never, even though I speak French a little bit, I had never, I'd never thought of that. Um, and I think that it's both. I would not have chosen of my own volunteer to be a medical or health type caregiver, meaning, you know, helping with basic things, um, being uh, for, for life, you know, showering or, um, you know, these other changing dress, you know, dressings on wounds and different things like that. Like that is not something I would have chosen. I chose to be a teacher, not a nurse. And I have said that in my mind so many times. I chose to be a teacher, not a nurse. And, um, and yet, being a nurse of sorts is, is what, and I have given a great deal of care, but I've also received a great deal of care, care from people that have cared for me, have cared for my family. And I have received, I have received 
lessons, blessings, um, joy in the act of caregiving, and maybe not in the immediate act sometimes, but in the long-term cumulative receiving. So I, I guess I like the word caregiving, care receiving um, more than caretaking. Maybe that's just my own stuff, but, right. but we all take care. You having me tell this story has been a way that I have taken care because I remembered some of these things. Take so care. thank you for giving me care. Wow, look at that. <laughs> because then we're going to say take care because we care about you mm -hmm. and we use take. I'm not going to leave you and to tell and, and, and to tell you give care. I'm going to leave you and to tell you take care as a caregiver. Interesting, mm -hmm. very interesting. It is. <laughs> I thought about that suddenly when I heard that those two exceptional stories between your daughter, one of your daughters, and uh, one of your children, and your husband. And it's really bringing the best from you and from your entire family. I imagine that your three other children are very, very attuned as well. I would imagine that. Very, very much. And um, the impact on our compassion, care for our physical bodies, intuition to like, if there's something that's not right, follow that. So following intuition. And I think that the best, like, for me, the, the one of the highest gifts is just compassion. You know, like, just knowing that people really are most of the time doing the very best they can. Like, I had some less than stellar mommy moments when I have been, you know, overwhelmed with caregiving mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe not taking good enough care of myself. And... That. And yet my, my children are so generous. We have such a close family relationship. And that's because we all believe that each of us, no matter where we are, we're doing the very best that we can. And so we have a level of compassion for each other that has moved out into the different areas where um, my children are. So I have my oldest daughter. She is a school teacher at an underserved um, population school. And the level of compassion that she has there is inspiring. My son does a lot of work with refugees. He speaks Russian. And so he's done a lot of work with refugees. He speaks Russian and German. And so um, some of the refugees from the Ukraine situation, and he was in Germany working with uh, it's a country of refugees. And so, you know, he has this deep compassion for these people who have been displaced. Um, and then my other children in their ways, they have, they're showing, you know, their, their light and their compassion. And it's, um, it's heartwarming to see your children have a bigger vision of life than what's right here. Mm. You are blessed and you are blessing others and by by 
having had those two experiences, like long-term experiences, it has actually elevated the entire life spirit of all your family. Because now if you take that out and there is no leukemia at one year old and there is no, I don't, re I don't remember the, the, the name of the, the illness of your husband, there is none of that. And it's like, how is life? Well, I'm a teacher and everything is fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go deeper. <laughs> there is well, so much the life. I became a teacher largely had to do with my youngest daughter, I don't know if I would have stepped into teaching mm -hmm. as a full-time profession in the public school system. But not so. So you see how the wheel of life turns, and when we can just surrender to that, life really turns out like amazingly. Is it perfect? No, my husband is still in pain most of the time. I'm still a caregiver. But you know what? That's obviously perfect for us, for this soul evolution that we're in right now. It's amazing. Well, Christina, you are such a blessing. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your light, taking care of all of us. <laughs> well, the ripple effect, right? Like that's really what this is about anyway. It's what you do. It's the ripple effect. This pebble drops and then we have these concentric circles of the ripples for the uplifting of the entire world, all of humanity, all creatures and the, and the earth. That's beautiful. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Gemma. <laughs>